Chapter Thirteen of the Mystery at Dark Cedars by Edith Lavelle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Detective Work. Sunday morning dawned clear and peaceful. As Mary Louise wakened to hear the birds singing in the trees outside the window of Hannah's old room at Dark Cedars, she could hardly believe in the terrifying experience of the previous night. It was just like a horrible dream, incredible in the morning sunshine. I believe I'd like to go to Sunday school, she said to Jane at the breakfast table. It's a lovely day, and we'd see all our friends. Don't you want to come along too, Elsie? The young girl, still pale and nervous from the night before, shook her head. No, thank you, Mary Louise, she replied. I'll stay home and help Hannah. Mary Louise glanced up apprehensively, as yet the servant had not been informed of the mysterious intruder. Will you tell her what happened last night? she asked in a low tone or shall we? No, I will, agreed Elsie. She'll be sure it was Mrs. Grant's ghost again, and I'll help her fix up the bedroom. Mary Louise nodded. You'll come, Jane? she inquired. I'm leaving, for good, announced her chum. I wouldn't spend another night at Dark Cedars for all the necklaces in the world. Mary Louise said nothing. There was no use arguing with Jane. As she went out of the door with Silky at her heels, she called to Hannah that she alone would be back for dinner. "'About two o'clock,' returned the woman. "'And ain't Miss Jane comin'?' "'No, Hannah,' answered the girl for herself. "'I shan't see you again. Good-bye.' The girls were some distance beyond the hedge of dark cedars when Mary Louise asked her companion her reason for leaving. "'Because,' she added, "'now that everything valuable has been stolen, I don't see what you have to fear.' Jane hesitated a moment. "'I hate to say it, Mary Lou,' But I feel I must tell you, for your own protection. It's Elsie I'm afraid of. I really believe she is guilty. I think she has those gold pieces hidden somewhere at Dark Cedars, and now the necklace. I think she's a sneak, and I believe she's planning a getaway. But if one of us should discover her theft, I'm afraid she'll do something desperate to us. An expression of pain passed over Mary Louise's face. Go on and tell me why you suspect her, she said. On account of last night. Figure it out for yourself. If that had been a burglar, why wouldn't Silky have barked when he was getting into the house? Why wouldn't Elsie have heard him, if she was down in the kitchen as she said? And how could he have gotten away so quickly? You think maybe he went out that window at the side of the house, but that's only a guess. Elsie could have pretended to make an escape from the window while you were locked in the closet, and then have slipped out the door and down to the kitchen. Mary Louise gasped in horror. It doesn't sound possible, she admitted and the way she protested her innocence immediately, added Jane. Remember that? Yes, I do. But there is a possible explanation, Jane. The burglar might have broken into the house while we were away and been hiding in the closet while I got ready for bed. I didn't open the door. But why would he do that? Why wouldn't he finish the job and leave before we came back? He might have just gotten in about the time we arrived at Dark Cedars. She paused, thinking of Corrine Pearson. Suppose it was Corrine, on her way to that dance. Jane shook her head. Possible, but not probable, she said. No, I believe it was Elsie. Do you remember how pleased she was that I wasn't going to sleep with you in Miss Maddie's room? And how she sneaked in there night before last, scaring us so? Oh, Mary Lou, I think all the evidence points that way. And she's beginning to notice our suspicion. That's why she was so quiet at breakfast and so glad to get rid of us. Mary Louise was silent. She did not tell Jane that she felt convinced that the burglar was of the feminine gender. Well, 
don't say anything about our experience to anybody cautioned mary louise as the girls entered the sunday school building i may talk it over with daddy if he's home but nobody else jane promised and they both dismissed their troubles for the time being in the presence of their friends it was eleven o'clock when the two girls came out of the building to find silky patiently waiting for them you take him home jane said mary louise and i'll stop at the hospital if i can do so tactfully i want to find out whether it really was a ruby necklace that was hidden in the bed but mary louise's visit proved a disappointment she was told at the desk that it would be impossible for her or anyone else to see miss mattie grant at the present time the operation was successful the attendant stated in that matter-of-fact tone officials so often assume but miss grant is under the influence of a narcotic she wouldn't know anybody come back tomorrow mary louise nodded and walked slowly out of the door uncertain as to what her next move should be still thinking deeply she strolled down the street until she came within a block of mrs grace grant's home here a sudden impulse decided her to visit these relations of miss mattie if anyone in the world knew about the necklace that person would be the trusted nephew john grant mary louise paused a moment in front of the gate a little nervous about going in suppose harry grant were home alone and he started to tease her in that familiar way of his john she had never seen except that night on his porch in the dark and of course mrs grant would be at church but the sight of a nice-looking sedan parked in front of the house reassured her in all probability that was john's car she decided for it certainly was not harry's bravely she opened the gate and walked up to the porch she had to wait several minutes before there was any answer to her ring then a middle-aged man stout and rather bald as elsie had described john opened the door is this mr john grant she asked trying to make her tone sound businesslike yes replied the man i am mary louise gay she stated the girl who found miss mattie grant's money for her you know john grant did not know he shook his head evidently the story had been suppressed by his mother out of consideration for harry you didn't hear about the robbery she inquired no i only know that aunt mattie is in the hospital my sister mrs pearson phoned yesterday but when was she robbed can you come out on the porch and talk to me for a few minutes mr grant asked mary louise certainly he answered glancing at his watch i have to drive to church for mother at half past twelve but that's over an hour from now thank you mr grant said mary louise as she seated herself in one of the chairs i won't tell you the whole story it's too long but before your aunt went to the hospital all her money was stolen out of her safe my chum and i succeeded in getting most of it back all but a box of gold pieces and your aunt put the money and her bonds into the bank then when she had to go to the hospital so suddenly she became panic-stricken and made me promise to sleep in her room while she was away she had something hidden in her room something valuable but she wouldn't tell me what it was i'd like to find out just what it was why demanded the man fearfully has that been taken too mary louise nodded and briefly told her story of the mysterious intruder the preceding night it was a ruby necklace said john a necklace someone gave to my grandfather i believe aunt mattie didn't know much about how he got it but he told her it was very valuable and that she must guard it above everything else in the world so she had it hidden in her straw mattress and told me where it was because it is willed to me nobody else knew anything about it to my knowledge a ruby necklace repeated mary louise that's what the gypsy said it was i asked a fortune teller whom our crowd visited yesterday and she told me claimed it was second sight on her part john grant laughed more likely a rumor she had heard 
the family knew there was something. I mean, Aunt Maddie's family, my father and my uncle. But even they never knew where Grandfather got it or from whom. There must have been something queer about it, though, for I understood from my father that Grandmother wanted him to give it back. And then, when Aunt Maddie got hold of it, she kept it hidden. Yes, that's what Hannah says, agreed Mary Louise. She says all this disturbance is old Mrs. Grant's spirit trying to get it back again, but I can't be expected to believe that. Naturally, John smiled, and Mary Louise thought what a nice, pleasant face he had. No wonder his Aunt Maddie trusted him. Miss Grant is going to blame Elsie, of course, continued Mary Louise. She accused her of stealing the gold pieces. Hmm, observed John, as he too thought the idea possible. Did she take the rest of the money? No, she didn't. We proved that. Then who did? inquired John. I think I'd better not say, answered Mary Louise. That's over and done with. Your mother knows. If you want, you can ask her. John smiled. Mary Louise believed he had guessed the solution himself. You don't really think Elsie would take the gold or the necklace, do you, Mr. Grant? She asked anxiously. Of course, you know her a lot better than I do. I don't know. She might argue that she had a right to some of that money. It wasn't quite fair that Aunt Maddie got all of Grandfather's fortune, and Elsie's father didn't get a penny. Yes, she might take it, while I don't believe she would ever steal anything else. Mary Louise shuddered. It seemed as if she were the only person in the world who still considered Elsie innocent. There's a colored family who lived down the hill in back of Dark Cedars. Could they know about the necklace, Mr. Grant, do you suppose? Abraham Lincoln Jones? Yes, they could have heard rumors about it, just as those gypsies did. But I happen to know that man, and I am sure he is thoroughly honest. Would he steal chickens? Not even chickens. Of course, his children might. Colored people love chicken, you know. I'm going to get Elsie to take me to see them this afternoon. Mary Louise rose from her chair. I won't take any more of your time, Mr. Grant. Unless you can tell me what to do, I don't like to go to the police without Miss Grant's consent. No, I wouldn't do that. If there's something queer about her possession of the necklace, it would be better for her to lose it than to have an old disgrace exposed. At Aunt Maddie's age, I mean. We'd better wait until she gets well. Mary Louise nodded. That was exactly her idea, too. Unless, of course, one of the family had taken it, Corrine Pearson or Harry Grant. But I guess it would be all right to speak to Daddy in confidence about it, she said, and get his advice. Your father? Yes, he is Detective Gay, of the police force. You've heard of him? Oh, yes, certainly. But tell him not to bring in the police, yet. Mary Louise held out her hand. Thank you so much, Mr. Grant, for giving me your time, she said. I'll get in touch with you later. Well satisfied with her interview, she left the Grant's porch and determined to do a little more investigating for herself before she consulted her father. A little farther down the street was the home of Bernice Tracy, an attractive young woman of about 25 who had once been a lieutenant in Mary Louise's Girl Scout troop. To this girl, she decided to go for some information concerning Corrine Pearson, for she knew that Miss Tracy was a member of the country club set. Miss Tracy herself answered Mary Louise's ring at the door. "'Why, Mary Lou!' she exclaimed in surprise. You are a stranger, and you almost caught me in bed, too. I just finished my breakfast. Come in, or shall I come out on the porch? Oh, I can only stay a minute, Miss Tracy, replied Mary Louise. I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions, if you don't mind. And please don't think I'm crazy. I know there never was a girl with a more level head on her shoulders, answered the other admiringly. Go ahead and ask me the questions, Mary Lou. Well, er, you went to the dance last night 
didn't you? With the country club people? Was Corrine Pearson there? Yes, she and Ned Mason ate supper with us. Why? Please don't ask me why. What time did the dance begin? About eleven o'clock. Mary Louise frowned. It was possible, then, that Corrine could have been at Dark Cedars a little after ten. And, and, can you remember what Miss Pearson wore? Yes, a white organdy. It was very simple, but awfully nice for a summer dance. I wish I had been as sensible. Now for the final question. Mary Louise had to summon all her courage to put forth this one. Do you remember what kind of jewelry she had on? What color? Miss Tracy's face lighted up with a smile. I know why you're asking me these questions, Mary Lou, she exclaimed. You're a society reporter on the Star, aren't you? But I don't see why you don't ask me what I wore. Aren't I as pretty and as important as Corrine Pearson? You're twice as important and five times as pretty, Miss Tracy, replied Mary Louise instantly. But I'm not a reporter, or even trying to become one. I'll explain some time later. Just tell me about the jewelry, if you can remember. All right, my dear. Corrine wore red with her white dress. Imitation rubies, I suppose. Earrings and necklace and two bracelets. Oh, gasped Mary Louise. That's what I wanted to know. Thank you, Miss Tracy. Thank you just heaps. End of chapter 13